Hello, and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale Business Podcast. My name is Hector Santi Esteban, your host for today. We're here with Nick McKinley, founder and CEO of Deliver Fund, and we're going to talk about scaling in a different perspective than we might talk about on most conversations. I'm excited about that. Nick, thanks for, for hanging out with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You've done scaling in a variety of places and a variety of ways. You've had your run of experience. I would love for you to share whatever experience you think is relevant and then catch us up on what Deliver Fund is doing and how you guys serve people. Sure. Thanks again for having me. A way to think about scaling is in relation to the problem that you have or the problem that you're trying to solve. Too many people want to just build a big business for the sake of building a big business when maybe the problem that they're trying to solve doesn't require them to build a really big business or maybe they've got technologies that they can leverage to solve that problem in a way that does not require just throwing more people and resources at it. I tend to think about it a little more from a first principles framework where we're actually getting to what is causing the problem that we're trying to solve. For some people, they want to be rich. That's why they want to be an entrepreneur and start a company. And so more power to them. In that case, they need a really big company. They need to scale as much as possible. But if you're just trying to solve a problem, then you need to make sure the scale of the business is proportionate to the scale of the problem. That is what leads to the most efficient solutions and outcomes for problem solving. That's a great perspective. I love that you bring that up because most entrepreneurs come in and want to be the next Jeff Bezos, want to be Elon Musk, and they want to create a million dollar company, a $10 million company, whatever it is. What would you do if they're already in the throes of that? Is there a way to fix that once it's already started or do they have to scrap it and go back to the beginning? How would you coach someone through if they're realizing that the problem is not going to scale to the point that I want? How do you help them adjust from that point? If the problem isn't going to scale to the level of, say, size of a business that they want, then they picked the wrong problem. I don't think you solve that problem unless you start tackling more problems. Let's take a great example. Uber started in black car service, which is a relatively small TAM. But now you can get things delivered to your home or food delivered via Uber. So they just started taking on more problems where the existing solution set that they'd created could be applied to more problems. One of the problems that the entrepreneur community runs into is everybody wants to be the next Steve Jobs or Bezos or Musk. As you said, none of those people set out to make a bunch of money. They all set out to solve problems. They knew a second order effect of solving those problems or third order would be that they would make money. I don't think Elon Musk ever knew he would be one of the wealthiest people on the planet. Neither did Bezos, neither did Jobs. They just kept putting one foot in front of the other, solving problems. And that is the pathway to wealth. Just chasing money for the sake of chasing money, go be a VC. Go join a PE, but building a business for the purpose of trying to be the next multi-billionaire is probably the fastest way to crash the business because that means you won't have the drive to sustain you through the decades of time that it takes in order to get to the point where the business is starting to run under its momentum. Yeah, I like the point about Uber when you talk about finding more problems to solve, if you will. Going back to the Bezos example, Amazon did that. They started with books and expanded. They right. were looking for more problems to solve. 
Are there any other examples of that that you look back on? This is a different perspective than traditional, where it's just how do we fit more people into this box? How do we sell more widgets? It's counterintuitive. It's cliche to mention Musk as the best example of it, but he is probably the best example of it. With the entire ecosystem of companies he's created, there was two goals. He wanted to affect climate change, regardless of whether or not somebody believes there is or is not climate change. It doesn't matter. He had a problem that he wanted to solve, and he thought that the best way to solve that would be electric cars. It had nothing to do with the cars. It had to do with the problem he was trying to solve. By thinking through it from a first principles aspect, he said, well, the biggest CO2 producer in the world is cars, the automotive industry, the daily driver. So I'm going to go solve that problem. I'm going to solve that micro problem. On the other hand, saying, I want to go to Mars. Okay, cool. Well, there's a big logistics chain and a lot of things that have to happen in order to get to Mars. So creating the pathway to get to Mars, everything from the small nuclear power companies that have spun out to the AI companies that spun out of Tesla to reusable rockets, all of these are really just small solutions on the path to solving a very big problem. If you're solving a big enough problem, climate change on one hand or going to Mars on the other hand, you're going to, by default of execution of solutions, create a lot of value for a lot of people. Starlink, as an example, has nothing to do with providing broadband to everybody in the world. Google was trying to do that and they failed. Starlink is about providing communications between Mars and Earth and internet on Mars. It just so happens to be that in the process of doing that, you create a lot of value for Ukrainians that are at war with Russia or for people who live in rural America or for people who are traveling around the United States in their RVs. By focusing on a big enough problem and executing on solutions to that problem, you end up creating value and that value drives your company forward. This is really good. The traditional order of operations is identify your target market and then market research. And there are these steps that have been laid out. If the problem is step one, in your head, what does the rest of that path look like? If your problem is big enough, then your target market is human beings. At a foundational level, that's your target. For me, what I saw when I was at the CIA was these illicit commodity markets that were just running rampant across the globe without any coordinated effort to solve that problem. One of those illicit commodity markets, just one of the many, was the sell of human beings. That is something that affects every single human being on the planet. And then a subsector of human trafficking was child commercial sex trafficking, which is the most egregious of those subsets. So that provided a really good starting point. That's not the only problem I'm trying to solve. I'm trying to solve illicit commodity market issues and trying to shed light on that issue and make it so that everybody, not just law enforcement, not just industry, but everybody from law enforcement to industry to the soccer mom can all participate in fighting illicit commodity markets. But we have to start somewhere. You can't go in all directions at once. You have to pick a path and go. And so the path that I picked was the one that I thought would be the easiest to solve was apolitical and that you could garner the most support for because at the end of the day, human trafficking, especially child sex trafficking is a with us or against us issue. And if you don't agree with what we do in fighting it, then please DM me on Instagram and I'll be happy to make you a, a hobby of one of my analysts because that means you're probably a human trafficker. 
So by picking one very specific path within a broader problem, it allowed us to create the technologies and methodologies we needed in order to solve the broader problem. The black box, if you will, of solution is that the output is going to be determined by the input. If you just pick something that is within the broader problem that you're trying to solve, you're going to, by default, create solutions to other issues. Let's take that back to what Musk did with Tesla. He decided that CO2 was a problem, that climate change was a problem, that the cause was CO2, and that cars were the biggest portion of that problem that he could tackle. We set out to solve that and by default created all types of AI technologies within computer vision to make the cars self-driving that eventually will essentially be able to share automated cars. That meant that we needed to create better battery technologies, better electrical technologies. All of those things created value for other industries which were producing CO2. All of those technologies also helped with the advancement towards Mars. The battery technologies that they created at Tesla help SpaceX. The AI technologies they create at Tesla help SpaceX. That's what I mean by solving really big problems. You start creating these micro solutions to micro problems that are advancing you along the path of solving the very big problem. That is how you tackle something that's big enough that it becomes your life's work. This is brilliant stuff. I'm curious about actually running the business of that because that is, I don't want to say idealistic, but I know a lot of businesses and companies that set out with this great problem, but then their execution of it or the practical stuff gets lost or they get too distracted. And so I'm curious how you guys have stayed the course while having a big picture. We're going to get into that right after this quick break. Hey y'all, today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a content and podcast production company. If you have a mission, a message, a passion, a purpose, something that you want to get out to the world, but don't necessarily have the time, the team, or the tech skills to be able to do it, we can help. Go to AmplifyMedia.com, that's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y Media.com for all the info. You can also check the show notes. And with that, let's get back to today's episode. Nick, I'm a big fan of the, the Simon Sinek structure of, of why, what, how. We've talked about the why, and I think people understand what we're talking about. And we can't cover it all today in a, in a short episode, but they're probably asking themselves, how do I actually do this, especially while scaling, having different teams, different products and divisions? To make the question even harder, Nick, what if I've already got a business that I'm in the middle of that already has product lines and service offerings, and we're already down the road a little bit? How do we handle all that? How do we navigate it? Or, or from your experience, what are some things that have worked for you? I think it comes down, obviously, to execution. A business mentor of mine once told me that he said, Nick, ideas are worthless and have no value. Execution is the only thing that matters. And that is so true. There's so many people with great ideas. Who cares? How are you executing on that? It all comes down to people and the team you build, which sounds really cliche, but there's a lot of lessons that I've learned and continue to learn because it seems like no matter how often I learn the lesson, I have to go back and learn it again. The person who helped get you from zero to one is not necessarily the right person to help you get from one to two or from two to 10. The business has to constantly evolve. And if you've got a big enough problem and you are creating solutions at the scale of that problem, then you're not really creating a business. You're creating a platform that executes on a mission. That's what's so important because then people will join the platform because of 
of the mission, not because of what it is that you do on a daily basis. I'm 45 years old. My parents' generation was you work for one, maybe two companies, but usually just one company. You go to work every day, you pull the lever, you push the button, you get the gold watch. That was the goal. Now we have these entrepreneurial mindset or an entrepreneurial mindset where we have people who are shifting jobs every two to four years. Part of the problem with that is they're not singularly focused on a mission, but that's also a good thing because it means that their breadth of experience is that much bigger and better. Executing at scale is all about putting, to use the Jim Collins analogy, put the right butt in the right seat on the right bus. If the people are on that bus because of the bus that you've created, then when the bus has to change direction, people won't get off. As soon as you see people start to think that they should be the driver of the bus, that they're the most important person on the bus, that singular ego is toxic to everybody else. And so those people have to go. People will say that they check their ego at the door. I'll tell you, the people in my companies have a lot of ego, but it's a collective ego. They honestly believe that what they are doing collectively is the best solution and that the only reason why they are successful is because of the other people around them. I get fortunate enough to be the point man for Deliver Fund as the founder and CEO, but it really at this point has nothing to do with me. It has to do with this amazing team of people that are executing on this mission every single day while I'm out evangelizing and collecting resources. If a business leader does not have the right set of people and they don't trust those people, then they have to constantly micromanage them to make sure they're doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. I figured this out when I was at the CIA. I was a country team leader for a nuclear-armed country of presidential importance. It was a no-fail environment. And I was one of the youngest people on my team. I was the youngest person of authority in the embassy. And the consequences of me making the wrong decisions would have been lethal to other people. I came up with a framework of four litmus tests for decisions. And it's my first principles for decision making. The first and foremost was that I had to establish, cultivate, and maintain a culture of trust. And keep in mind that that's with yourself and with the people that you're leading. If you do that and everybody trusts each other, then you can go to establishing and maintaining standards of discipline and mission focus. Too often what derails companies from scaling is they don't have a standard. They never established a standard. It's just a couple of bros who got together and said, hey, let's go solve this problem. And it was a cool thing to do that became a company. Now they're a big boy company and they don't have a standard that they've established. Or if they have established a standard, they didn't have discipline to it. Think back to early days Google. They had a standard where you had to have all the right stamps on your resume in order to even be considered for hiring. Google created this hiring process that was darn near impossible to get through. And they took that a little too far, but that is actually a really good example of having a standard and then maintaining discipline to that standard. Imagine what all the employees of SpaceX or Tesla could accomplish if they decided to put their brains to it. They could cure cancer. They could do anything. But Elon keeps them very focused on, hey, you guys are doing electric and self-driving cars. You guys are going to Mars and keeps them focused on that mission. And too often the rabbit trails and distractions that really smart people can have will sink a company or keep it from scaling. 
Then after that, it's just about managing talent and egos. You've got to put the right butts in the right seat on the right bus. The person who is a good engineer for one of my previous software companies wouldn't necessarily be a good engineer for what it is that we do at Deliver Funds. The only way that a business scales is if the leader gets it right. If you've accomplished all those things as a business leader, then if you really want to pour gasoline on your company and really want to scale quick, you serve your team. You get out of their way and get them the resources they need to do their job and don't tell them what to do. I believe it was Steve Jobs who said that you don't hire smart people so that you can tell them what to do. You hire smart people so they can tell you what to do. That then means that everybody's running in the same direction, but everybody is running under their own momentum. So you don't have a lot of bureaucracy that keeps the company from scaling. That's what has worked for me. And that's a model that, quite frankly, I stole from all the brilliant minds who came before me. I started off the conversation by saying it's counterintuitive or opposite, but it actually makes the most sense. <laughs> it's something that seems the most sustainable. And so I appreciate that. If people want to get more connected with you, Nick, or what you guys do at Deliver Fund, where should they go? I'm on all the social platforms at the underscore Nick. That's N-I-C underscore McKinley on Instagram. On Twitter, it's just the Nick McKinley. And you can connect with us at Deliver Fund at Deliver Fund on all the platforms. And that's deliver as in deliver the mail, fun as in money. Please follow us on social media and check out what it is that we do and contribute where you can. Nick, I know your life is an ocean and we merely scooped a tablespoon out of that experience that perhaps we'll need a second round. But I appreciate your insights and, and your wisdom here. I, I want to encourage you listeners, if, if you guys got some value out of today, we would love and appreciate a rating or review wherever you get your podcast. If you know someone who is in the midst of scaling a business or thinking about starting one, send them this episode. And Nick is on, I can't think of a, a more important mission. So go get connected with Nick and find out what Deliver Fund is about and see if that might fit into your world. But as always, we thank you all for being a part of the tribe. I will see you on the next one. Later, y'all.